privilege to be able to be here with you guys today and to, to share a message that God put on my heart uh, a little bit ago. Um, so, but I want to give a couple updates really quick. First, as J.O. was talking about legacy, um, for those of you that don't know, uh, as he said, we closed on this building on Monday. This building, we, are, we no longer own it. We are renting this building. And on Wednesday, May 20th, we're going to be signing the papers for the new building. Yes. Yes. 772 West Kathleen Avenue. That is uh, over at... Kathleen and Howard, just down the hill from Parker Toyota. It's the old specialty recreation building. So um, I had somebody last night say, so are we having services there next week? No, we are not. <laughs> we'll be here for a while uh, because we're going to be renovating that space to make it ready to hold church. So um, as Seth said in the video announcements on May 31st, we're going to be having an all construction meeting. So if you're interested in being a part of that process of renovating that and, and really turning it into uh, the shed that God has for us, um, because last service, we were packed out. We have four services right now, and so God has just given us a bigger space. It's going to allow us to impact our community even more. So one thing I really want to kind of a praise report is we knew that we needed $150,000 for the down payment when we got to closing, but God is never a God of just enough. And so God has, has lavished us with $153,531.25. God is good. God is so good. Um, so that is absolutely happening. Uh, the other thing is uh, we just got through during the 10 o'clock service um, with our core class. Raise your hand if, you have, if you're in a part of the new core class cycle that's going on right now. Good, 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 good. Hands all over the place. And I know that since we're actually, I think we just finished the sixth week, we actually had people complete it and now are officially members of Heart of the City Church. Um, so the reason we changed it is because we held our core class, which is our membership class, once a quarter. Well, if you came into service the, the Sunday after we did it on the Saturday, you had to wait three months before you could go through it again. So what we do now is every weekend, the first four weekends of the month, during the 10 o'clock service, we do our membership class. We just broke it up into four parts. And so um, what was today? Was it uh, group? Group? Yeah. So that means it's the third week. So if you are in the core and you weren't able to make it today, all you got to do is pick it back up the third weekend of next month. So it's really cool. You can jump into the core class at any point and really start to establish your roots. If this is where God is calling you to plant your roots, you got to have roots in order to bear fruit, right? And as we get into this sermon today, you'll, you'll, you'll hear a little bit more about what bearing fruit might look like. So... Um, we were in a sermon series, 4G, coincided with the, the uh, unveiling of the new structure for our core class. And then last week, we had an interruption, which was a fantastic sermon. And so I'm back this week because I believe that there's actually a fifth G. And that fifth G is go. Because I believe that if you have received grace, begun to grow, you got connected in a group and then started to give, it's only natural that you will go. Amen? Please bow your heads. Thank you. God, we thank you so much that you have given us grace, grace upon grace, God, and that your grace allows us to grow. And then when we get connected into the body of Christ in a group, 
God, that we start to give. And I believe that today you're gonna, you're gonna trigger something in our hearts, God, and you're gonna equip us and enable us to be doers of the word and not hearers only. God, I pray that every heart is just primed and ready to hear your word. God, everything we do, we want you to be glorified. We want you to be lifted up. We know that, that if Jesus is lifted up, you'll draw all men unto yourself. And so that, that is our heart today. God, we give you the praise and the glory. In the name of your son, Jesus Christ, amen. Cool. So what do I mean by go? I'm gonna make it really, really simple. Matthew 28, 19. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. You're like, yeah, 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 Don. We get it. We've had this shoved down our throats since we were little kids. But I don't believe that you truly understand the Father's heart behind go and make disciples. I think that we envision this to be something like me walking up to a random stranger at City Park and just start talking to them about Jesus. Can, can I let you in on a little secret? I can't do that. I know some people can, but I'm just not that kind of person. If there's anybody in here that can do that, raise your hand. God bless you guys. That is so awesome. I just, I, I, I struggle with that. But I believe that God made a way for those of us that can't do that to still live out going and making disciples. So first, the word go. We hear that, we read the scripture, and we think that that means going from point A to point B. Upon arrival at point B, make disciples. But that's not what it is at all. Because if we look at that word in the Greek, in the active verb tense, what it actually means is, while you're going, doing life, going to school, going to the grocery store, going to work, going to your family, make disciples. See, in this scenario, there really is no point B. We're all at point A, and our point A is right here in Coeur d'Alene, Idaho, in your current life. Go means make disciples. Everybody's like, well, when I get called, then I'm, you've been called, so you need to make disciples. This is the go that we're going to talk about today. Let's look at, uh, let's look at this about, the, about an evangelist. If we look at Ephesians chapter 4, it says, And he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers. What for? For the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Well, how long will we have them? Till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Okay, so that's staying here until Jesus comes back. That's when we'll reach that, that full measure. But until then, we have those five. Why? That we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about by every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men and the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting, but speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things into him who is the head, Christ. 
some evangelists. But we've all been called to make disciples. There is no contradiction here. Because there are very few Billy Grahams out there. Billy Graham, he's like the epitome of an evangelist, right? But I I never see myself doing that. Big tent revivals, okay? But I have been called to make disciples. We've all been called to share Jesus as we go about doing life. And if you're still unsure, let's read 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Behold, all things have become new. Now, all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them, and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Committed to us. He's entrusted it to our care. What are we doing with it? What an amazing privilege. No mandate to be ministers of reconciliation. You know, people, it's amazing. I have people all the time come up to me, young, young, usually young guys, and they're like, Don, I really feel like I'm called to full-time ministry. I just feel it. I know it. I know I'm called. And the reality is, is, is that we're all called to full-time ministry. It's called the ministry of reconciliation. My question then is, what are you doing with it? If God has entrusted it to us, what are you doing with it? God's God's not going to call you into what we view full-time ministry is if we're not living the full-time ministry that he has given to us now. So, I want you to... Think about, right now, I want you to think about somebody that you know that doesn't know Jesus. Because we all know people that don't know Jesus. So if you feel uncomfortable going up to a random stranger, God wants you to know you can go up to the person that you work with, your neighbor. What about, what about your, your, your family that doesn't know Jesus? So I want to break this down into some do's and don'ts, all right? So number one, go. Get over yourself. No, really. Get over yourself. It's not about you. It's not about your ability or your inability. You know, Jesus met a woman at a well, and she had had five... Jesus called her out and said, you have five husbands. And actually, the guy that you're with right now isn't actually your husband. And yet, the most unlikeliest, the most unlikeliest, yes, that's right, most unlikeliest of persons became an evangelist. There There was no big ceremony. There was no shine light shining down from heaven and I want you to be an evangelist. She encountered Jesus and it was her natural reaction to want to share that with people. And she went back and Jesus went to her city and stayed there. 
What about, what about the man who is full of demons, completely possessed, just crazy, but he encountered Jesus, got set free, and then he started going from city to city. I believe that if you encounter Jesus, it is your natural inclination to want to share that good news with people. 1 Corinthians 3, I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. So then neither he who plants is anything, nor he who waters, but God gives the increase. You know what? It's simply your responsibility that you speak. Allow the Holy Spirit to do the transforming. That He's been doing it for a long, long time. He's really good at it. You don't have to stand there and watch and make sure that their life lines up with, with the word. You just speak the message. God is the one that gives the increase, right? I, I think we sometimes, we, we take it upon ourselves and we bear the burden of somebody not, not listening. We bear the burden of somebody continuing to live in sin even after we, we've shared the word. We plant, we water. Allow the Holy Spirit to do the conviction. Don't, don't bear that burden. Okay, go. Get over fear. 2 Timothy 1.7, for God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. There is a, it is a spirit of fear. You know what? You guys have Holy Spirit in you. There's no place for fear. He doesn't belong here. But you've been given power, love, and a sound mind. That makes you able to be a minister of reconciliation. It takes love to get out of ourselves. It absolutely does. Matthew Okay, number two, go, get out there. Jesus was accused of being a friend of sinners. Matthew eleven nineteen. the son of man came eating and drinking, and they say, look, a glutton and a wine-bibber, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. Yes, yes, he was. Because you know what? They were the ones that needed him. The, the religious people, they didn't think that they needed Jesus. They were clinging to their traditions and their own efforts of self-righteousness. You know the people that Jesus got angry at? Those people. He came with grace and truth to the sinners who were lost and didn't know that they were lost until he found them. But I want you to know, when you go out there, this is God's expectation. Philippians 2 that you may become blameless and harmless, children of God without fault in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation, among whom you shine as lights in the world, holding fast the word of life, so that I may rejoice in the day of Christ that I have not run in vain or labored in vain. Is it possible to go out into a crooked and perverse generation and remain blameless and harmless and shine as lights. Absolutely it is. That's what we're expected to do. Where are the sinners at? They're probably, they're, those that are absolutely lost that don't know Jesus, 
They're probably not here this morning. When English preacher Charles Spurgeon was six years old, he pushed his way into a dimly lit pub and looked around. Now, the men there watched him, mumbling that this was no place for a young boy. But he was oblivious to their stares. He spotted the man he was looking for on the far side of the pub and headed straight for him. The man, nursing a full pint of beer, was startled as the boy pointed at him and said in a loud voice, What doest thou here, Elijah? You, a member of the church, and, and sitting here in the, in, the members, in the middle of the ungodly and breaking your pastor's heart. I wouldn't break my pastor's heart, I'm sure. Spoken like a, true, a little six-year-old, huh? Thus Charles Spurgeon began his life of evangelism and preaching. The old, man, the old man, a member of Spurgeon's grandfather's church, returned to the fold and spent the last four years of his life honoring Jesus Christ. Six-year-old boy going into a pub. He was going to look for the lost. He went where the lost were at. There are just as many people that are sinners sitting in this church building right now as are sitting in a local bar. That's the reality. We all sin and fall short of the glory of God. The world is a sinful place. And if we're going to accomplish, go and make disciples, we have to allow ourselves to get out there. I want to touch on another go that's a little off topic, but I feel is necessary underneath this about going into the world. John 8. So when they continued asking him, he raised himself up and said to them, he who is without sin among you, let him throw a stone at her first. You know, in our culture, not acceptable to, to stone people that are, are, are caught sinning or, or are, are different than us. But we still throw stones, make no mistake. We just do it in our heart and in our mind. You know the guy that's panhandling on the street corner where we think in our heart, if he'd just get a job, he wouldn't have to do that. Can I, can I be transparent with you guys? About a year ago, we had a lady come in for benevolence, we, we offer assistance with rent and utilities, and she came in all glammed up, hair done, nails, tattoos, piercings, and I thought in my heart, if you'd stop spending your money on getting your nails done and your tattoos, you'd have money to pay your bills. I was guilty. I was guilty of throwing stones. Was I without fault? Absolutely not. And again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground. Then those who heard it, being convicted by their conscience, went out one by one, beginning with the oldest even to the last. And Jesus was left alone and the woman standing in the midst. When Jesus had raised himself up and saw no one but the woman, he said to her, Woman, where are those accusers of yours? Has no one condemned you? She said, No one, Lord. And Jesus said to her, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. 
I want to let you know that in the beginning, you may be the only Bible that people read. What story are you going to tell them? Is it going to be the story of no condemnation and grace? Or is it going to be, is it going to be all judgment? I guarantee you, they're not going to sit there and open up the Bible and come to know Jesus. Your life is going to be the only Bible people read in the beginning. Gosh, we have such a privilege, such an opportunity to be like Jesus. I believe that if you encounter Jesus and his gift of grace and no condemnation, that's what allows you to go and sin no more. So if you're worried about going back into the world where you used to be trapped in sin, I want to let you know, you can go back and sin no more and reach those people. Carly, you have access where other people don't. I can't go and reach the same people you can, but you can go back into that world that used to hold you captive and not worry about sinning because Jesus said, go and sin no more. So as we go, we can be just like her and sin no more. Number three, go, game on. Determine to live out your call as an ambassador. Second Corinthians five. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ as though God were pleading through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Now then, we are ambassadors. Not at some point in the future, when you think you're ready. Now then, we are ambassadors. As though God were pleading through us. He is. He is. No point B. It's right now. Merriam-Webster defines an ambassador as, this is kind of wordy, so you got to hang in there with me, a diplomatic agent of the highest rank accredited to a foreign government or sovereign as the resident representative of his or her own government or sovereign or appointed for a special and often temporary diplomatic assignment. What are we but ambassadors if when we get born again, we are no longer of this world and we become citizens of heaven and yet we're still here on a temporary assignment as a representative of God to a crooked and perverse generation. We are ambassadors. That is us. Our citizenship has changed. We're citizens of heaven now. But notice it says a diplomatic agent. So let's say, let's say I am an ambassador to Canada, and I go, hey, Canada, Canadian bacon, what is that? It's not bacon. We don't know what it is, but it's not bacon. The Canadians are like, get out, get out. 
We're going to keep our Canadian bacon, but you go home. We have to be diplomatic. I think oftentimes we are ambassadors of religion and not ambassadors of the kingdom. And I really want to encourage us to understand the role and who we represent. I have to remember that all the time when I'm driving because I've got the H sticker on the back of my truck. I know. God forgive me. Repent. Okay. So, number four, go. Give openly of your testimony. Revelations 12, 11, and they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. You know, there are a lot of people that don't even believe in the Bible. They think it's just a, a, a book of fiction or poems, but they cannot deny what Jesus has done in your life because you are a new creation. You used to be this way and now you're this way. You have, a, you have a powerful testimony. I was dead in sins until Jesus came. You know, I used to, it used to bug me. I, 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 remember, um, I remember kind of griping to somebody. I was like, you know, what? I don't really have a good testimony. You know, because I was, I was like the older brother in the prodigal story. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I stayed home, you know, I didn't do drugs, I, I didn't have sex before marriage, and so I was feeling really good about myself. But I was like, I don't have a, I don't have a good testimony. You know, if maybe, maybe I was like a member of Hell's Angels and I was pulled out, you know, and, and I'd been set free. And this person said, what are you talking about? You have an amazing testimony of God's grace and his goodness that you didn't have to go through that. So every single person in this room has a testimony. You don't have to have gone through hell in order to be able to tell people about Jesus. We were all sinners. And we're still saints who sin. So you've got a testimony. There is power, absolute power. So we've talked about some of the do's. I want to I talk now about where. Where do we go? What is that point A that we started out with? So we hear the term missionary, which, by the way, isn't actually in the Bible. And we immediately think of foreign lands. It's funny, I had uh, uh, somebody come up second service afterwards, and they actually are missionaries in the bush in Africa, and they're like, you know what? I used to think the same thing. We, we hear the word missionary, and that, that's what we think, because that's kind of the, the American idea of, of what that is. Uh, Eric uh, and his family, they, they actually do a lot of uh, work in Africa, and actually, Eric, would you stand for just a moment, please? I just want to, this is Eric Larson, yeah, yeah, yeah. And the, the reason I'm having him stand is because we're sending a mission trip to Ethiopia in September, and it's with Eric's organization that we're partnering, Eric, the spirit, the family. Um, talk about sacrificing uh, for the kingdom of God. But we have this Americanized idea of what missionary looks like. And if we don't go to a foreign land, 
then we're off the hook. But that's not the way it works. I can tell you for, for myself, I never ever had the tiniest, teensiest little iota of, of wanting to go somewhere off of this continent. It was never on my radar. Till the Holy Spirit came to me and said, Don, I want you to go on a mission trip. Well, I can tell you at that time in my life, I was so spiritually slumbered and selfish that it took the Holy Spirit to, to send me to Honduras to really wake me up. I pray that you guys are just taking a little nap and you can just go to Post Falls and be okay. <laughs> Some of us, we've got to go to Honduras. But uh, anyway, so the Spirit, Holy Spirit, absolutely interrupted my life. And I'm so thankful. Which started out as, as a command from God to remedy my state has turned into a burning desire to impact the kingdom of God. Yes. You know, God will wake us up. He'll meet us right where we're at. But he never expects us to stay there. Yeah. There's always going to be a go so, Debbie and Benaya and I actually leave tomorrow for Honduras for 11 days, uh, along with uh, Dr. Ryan. Dr. Ryan's going to be a part of our team for a, a period of time. Um, so, we're really excited about our go. And September of next year, we're actually, uh, the three of us, along with whoever else God appoints, uh, we're moving to Honduras. But understand, for most people... Going to a foreign land isn't what you're going to be called to. You're called to your Jerusalem. Acts 1, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. For most of us, our mission field or our Jerusalem is right here in Coeur d'Alene. Some people, God may have you, I, I think Spencer Van Ling, he works over in Spokane Valley. His mission field is his workplace. And you know what? Spencer's not a weird Christian. People actually like him there. They like talking to him. They, they want to listen to what he has to say. But that is his Judea. I think of Pastor Joe and Kirsten being sent to Avondale, Arizona. That is Samaria. And then there are us, like us and, and, and Eric uh, and the, the couple earlier, Mark and, and Sydney, where we get sent to uh, the, the end of the earth. There are a lot of churches that focus strictly on international missions, and I believe they miss the mark because we're supposed to start in our Jerusalem. And then there are churches that strictly focus on inside the walls or maybe just outside, and they're missing it as well because we're supposed to go to Judea, Samaria, and to the end of the earth. So there's a balance, a 2020 vision. That's why we do the single moms outreach. We're reaching our community, but we also know we've been called to the end of the earth. Where's your mission field? Do you remember last week, Gabe and Mandy their mission field is Canfield Middle School. 
Do you realize God has given them access to a place where culturally it's wrong to bring Jesus? And yet there are 50 kids every week meeting to talk about Jesus. Amen. Absolutely. Now then, not even when you're an adult, when you're in middle school, you are an ambassador. Echo. Echo's a hairstylist. Her mission field is her workplace because she has someone trapped in her chair while she's cutting. <laughs> they hear about Jesus, and Amber hears about Jesus from Echo. Every single one of us, we have a mission field. You know, I think about uh, uh, Dr. Uh, Ryan and Dr. Aaron at their, their chiropractic office. You walk in and you know what you're going to hear? You're going to hear worship music. And you know what? He'll, they'll come out and they'll give a praise report and they'll talk about God's goodness. That's their mission field. Jamie, she was up here earlier, works at Boys and Girls Club. You want to talk about being Jesus to people? You see Jamie at the Boys and Girls Club absolutely being Jesus to those kids. That's what we're talking about. Your mission field is where you're at. So we talked about some do's. We talked about where. Now we're going to talk about some don'ts of evangelism. Oh my goodness, what? You are all sinners. Oh. Uh, uh, have you ever actually had somebody come up and ask you why they deserve hell? No. Oh, okay. So how many people have you have you brought to Christ through this method? None yet. None yet. You're working on it. I wonder, and I'm just throwing this out there, but I wonder if your method or your message is wrong. Uh, oh, you don't think this, you don't think this is good? I, mm. oh, hold on, I'll ask for you. Hey, it's all about grace. Oh, my goodness. Oh, whoa, 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 whoa. Okay, okay. No, okay, hold on just a moment. So on one side, we've got, you're preaching fiery hell, and that wasn't working, so you think you're just going to go preach hippie Jesus, and that's going to be what it takes. Mm, no, no. Thank you, though. Thanks for coming. All right. Let's give her a hand. <laughs> You know, the hellfire and brimstone approach may make you feel good about how religious you are, but it probably won't win many souls. Proverbs 15.1 says, a soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. Romans 2.4, or do you despise the riches of his goodness, forbearance and longsuffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leads you to repentance. Beating somebody up over the head with their sin does not 
lead them to repentance. It's the goodness of God. Micah 6.8, he has shown you, O man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you but to do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God? Get out of people's faces and into their shoes. Has it been so long since God saved us from our mess that we forget what it feels like to be lost and hopeless? We've all fallen short. However, this hippie Jesus that we start to see in our culture nowadays where it's all good, I just need some grace, is not right either. Because Jesus, in John 1.14, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory. The glory is of the only begotten of the Father, Father, full of grace and truth. We must speak truth because John 8.32 says, and you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. Grace will draw people in, but it's truth that sets them free. How many Christians do we know that get born again because of grace? But because someone won't speak truth to them, they continue to remain bound to the old man. We are new creations in Christ, but the truth must be spoken. We can't compromise on truth. But, as Carly said, Ephesians 4.15, but speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things into him who is the head, Christ. I love Proverbs 25.11. A word fitly spoken is like apples of gold in settings of silver. How are you representing the kingdom of God as an ambassador? I want to close with a story about St. Francis of Assisi. Francis, it seems, was in great agony of doubt about whether he should devote himself only to prayer and meditation, which was a common practice in those days, or whether he should also engage in preaching missions. Wisely, Francis sought counsel. As the holy humility that was in him did not allow him to trust himself or in his own prayers, he humbly turned to others in order to know God's will in this matter. He sent messages to two of his most trusted friends, Sister Claire and Brother Sylvester, asking them to meet with one of their purer and more spiritual companions and seek the will of God in this matter. Immediately they gathered to pray, and both Sister Claire and Brother Sylvester returned the same answer. When the messenger returned, St. Francis first washed his feet and prepared him a meal. Then kneeling down before the messenger, St. Francis asked him, What does my Lord Jesus Christ order me to do? The messenger replied that Christ had revealed that he wants you to go about the world preaching because God did not call you for yourself alone, but also for the salvation of others. St. Francis jumped up saying, let's go in the name of the Lord, whereupon he immediately embarked on a preaching mission. If you want to know what God's will is for you, it is to go. 
You've been given the ministry of reconciliation. If you have friends that are, that are in a sinking boat and you've made it into the, life, in, into the lifeboat, are you just going to sit there and watch as they drown? Or are you going to get back over to them and get them into that boat with you? There are people out there that are drowning and we have a way to rescue them. We know what they need. My question to you is, will you go? Please stand to your feet. Hmm. I hope that today encourages you to be active in the Great Commission. You don't have, there's no formula. There's no, there's no magic technique. Ten steps to perfect evangelism. There's, there, there isn't. It's just you telling a story about what Jesus did for you. It is that simple. Please bow your heads. Close your eyes. If there's somebody in here today that feels like they're the one that's drowning. You're the one that's lost and you need someone to come to you and to share this message. I want you to know that God is reaching out to you today. He's offering you the, the, the lifeboat. You don't have to keep drowning. If that's you, would you just raise your hand? I see that hand. Maybe, maybe God told you last week, hey, I want you to go talk to your coworker. But you were just so afraid you didn't. And you knew you were supposed to. I believe that God wants to provide you with the boldness to be able to speak. If you just feel like you need prayer to, to overcome your fear and anxiety, we want to pray for you. And lastly, maybe you just had a rough week. You know? You were out there in the world and you just got a little beat up and you just need to be encouraged. We want to pray for you. There's power in prayer. There's power in family. There is power in the name of Jesus Christ. I don't want you to walk out of this building if you feel inside of you that you're supposed to get prayer, I want you to get out of your seat right now and I want you to walk up here. We have people up here right now that want to pray with you. They're gonna, they're gonna charge the throne room of grace on your behalf. You come up, you get prayer. There is absolutely no reason to sit there unencouraged. Good. We want to pray for you. God is going to move on your behalf. God, thank you so much for your, your wonderful word. God, you have entrusted to us the ministry of reconciliation. You have equipped us. You've enabled us, God. And I pray that we would even today 
know that now then we are ambassadors. God, I pray that we would, we would get over ourselves and be so full of your love that we feel compelled to speak and to share. God, we give you the praise and the glory. I ask peace and protection upon every single person in this building right now, God. We love you, God, and we thank you. In the name of your son, Jesus Christ, amen. Amen. I love you guys.